when you have someone like Yulia Livchenko doing a high jumping, you need to be sure that the watch doesn't move on their wrist and it's still comfortable. You know, that's the only thing that we ask our partners. They are the only ones that are able to give us the feedback that even the machine will never tell you. Welcome to Rodeo Drive, the podcast, the show about the visionaries who keep three blocks in Beverly Hills at the forefront of fashion and culture. I'm Kathy Gohari with the Rodeo Drive Committee. I'm Lynn Winter, your host for this episode. Watchmaking has long been a man's world. Amanda Mill is racing against the clock to change that. She's Brand and Partnerships Director at Richard Meal, the Maverick Swiss watchmaking brand. I'm delighted to speak with her now at her home in the south of France. Amanda, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. And thank you for the introduction. Nice one. Pleasure. Richard Mill pioneered a new era of watchmaking with the 2001 launch of the RM001 Tourbillon and set a new standard for today's billionaire's handshake. The brand is constantly pushing boundaries in function, materials, and aesthetics. Now, Richard Mill is approaching its 25th anniversary and launching an exciting new venture in California. I'd like to begin on the subject of family, Amanda. Tell me how you first got involved in your father's business. You know, funny enough, Lynn, I wasn't ready at all to work for the brand. I think, you know, I didn't really know what I was able to bring except the family name to it. And I think at one point I was like trying to figure out what I was do what I wanted to do. And, and that offered me like an amazing experience of going to Middle East and work uh, for the brand, especially for the ladies segment at the time being. And then I was like, okay, that, that does make sense to me. Now I understand what I could do and what, how I can help um, the brand around that. So that's how everything started. Did you have a special relationship with your father in that mm. he asked you to join, join the family? Definitely. My dad is definitely, it's always been, you know, I've been the daughter of, of the man. So for for long, I've been the only girls. And yeah, the relationship that I have with my dad is very special and still. So yeah, I mean, I was really proud of everything that he's been doing. The beauty of it was that we never grew up with that obligation of being part of it. So everything came very naturally. It's an organic way of getting into the company. And it's the same for my brothers. And I think that's why... We know that we're here for the right reason today. And you have seven siblings, right? Yeah, we're seven all together. And how many are involved in the company? Um, as today, we have we are three. So I've got my brother, Alexandre, who is taking the, the head of the company. And uh, we're having Guillaume also, uh, one of my younger brother, who is uh, more into the video part and all the image of the brand. And Dimitri, Dimitri I used to work uh, used to work also for the brand and he's been helping so much the brand to grow up in all the, the image of the, of the brand. And it's been like an amazing push for the brand. But today he actually decided that uh, he needed to... to see further and to open new doors, which I'm really happy for him. That's the beauty of it. Again, you know, Lynn, it's just none of us have been obliged to do anything. Interesting. And so your father is less involved operationally, but still obviously involved on the company's board. So 
with you and your brothers involved, is there any type of succession plan? Like who's going to take over? Is there a plan? <laughs> Listen, I think we, we don't see it that way. Um, we, we just want to fight to be able to continue what I've been creating. There is no time to, to look really as a, who is going to take over. Even though we're probably the younger generation compared to, to that and Dominique in our generation, we believe that everything has been done properly and we need to follow up that way. Yeah, no, I understand. I mean, it's interesting, this sort of new luxury audience, the younger audience really seem to favor experiences over possessions. And, you know, they'd rather give like a million dollars to a cause they support rather than acquire, you know, a beautiful thing. How do you kind of accommodate that evolution in values? I think because we never played around that luxury world. Dad always been saying that we're not saving life. We're only doing watches, right? And that. it's so true. So again, you know, we do whatever we believe it's good on, on the products that we develop. But at the same time, we, we never play a game around luxury world. We just, I think as far as you can look at yourself in the mirror and still believe on what you're doing, yeah. you, you're doing right, the rest will, will follow. So I just wanted to go back to the subject of succession. So I read that you reached out to Jeremy Strong regarding his character Kendall Roy in uh, Succession about wearing a Richard Mille watch. How did that come about and what was the outcome? That was a super crazy story, which I love actually. And it's usually the way that we meet with the people like the partners as we like ambassador them, that we, we actually are joining the family. But funny enough, I know that my brother Guillaume uh, was watching the, the, the show and he really loved it. It oh. was like, oh, you have to look at it. It's crazy. It's incredible. And so I was like, okay, fair enough. And one day, funny enough, I received an email from Jeremy himself. Really? And I was like, oh gosh, you know, I heard that name already. And, and, and then I actually sent him an email back saying, listen, I'm really honored that you contacted us and I would be happy to, you know, to, to have a discussion with you to really understand what you're looking at. And the first thing I said, so we actually set up a, a call and he was in his house with his family. I was in my house with my family. And I don't know, we stayed for two hours talking about things that are not far away from business but I just love the fact that it was like, you know, I mean, the channel wanted to contact you. And I was like, no, I need to contact you because I really believe that that actually the brand is made for my character and I need to understand more about it. And, and I was like, listen, I'm super honored. And if I'm really honest, if the channel would have contacted me, I would have mm. answered mm. in a polite way, but I probably wouldn't have follow up on the, on the conversation. And I don't know, we just like, it was like meant to be. The way that it was seeing the brand was far away from, you know, the bling way. He wanted really to understand what was all about this brand, the family and all that. And and we had the chance to invite him to one of our events in Sambal for a few days. And Incredible. I don't know, it's just, yeah, it was meant to be. Again, it was organic. 
And what was the watch that he actually wore? He had the 6701, but the platinum version. And what does, why? Does it symbolize anything in particular for him or for you? Funny enough, Jeremy was like, I don't really know which kind of watch do you think I should like wear? And I was like, okay, tell me a bit more about your character. Tell me, because Jeremy is a passionate person. And it was like amazing to understand, to really get into like an actor that get into his role you know it was like very into it and very deep and then I could exactly understand even though I didn't have the chance to watch the show I was like okay you know what believe like trust me I think I have the watch for you it was like okay I trust you Amanda and and I organized the watch and the 6701 it's already something very iconic I think for the brand because the brand used to have this tunnel shape version but quite I wouldn't say fat because it's never been fat mm-hmm. but quite and and the way he was telling me about the, the, the his character I was like no we need something a bit more classical in a way but with like a push of modernity behind and so the 6701 for me the way that he, he saw his character was the right piece and the platinum of course was adding the kind of powerness coming behind you know the succession mm-hmm. and all the stories happening to his, to his character. And the first time when I showed him the picture, he was like, yeah, I don't know, are you sure? I'm like, you know what? I send it to you, you try it, and you tell me. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't work for you, I will understand, and we change, we find something else. And funny enough, he received the watch, he tried, it was like, man, that was meant to be. Fantastic. I mean, I know the details that they went into for wardrobe is so precise. I've been incredible. Yeah, I, I don't know. Even though, you know, he was telling me the, the, the dress code of his character, the everything behind everything that he was wearing, because Jeremy is like that. He's very into details. So that's why I believe that the brand was fitting perfectly. I mean, the character and Jeremy himself, because I think at one point Jeremy was his character anyway. That's the beauty of, of, him, of what he's doing as an actor. I wanted to go back a little bit. Your father suggested that you, with your husband and children, move to Dubai to focus on women in the region. So what did you set out to do there and what were the findings and results? So listen... Funny enough, I moved, just to tell you the relationship with my dad, I moved to Dubai with, like, I sold everything in France, took my kids, my husband, and we moved there without even putting a feet before there. So um, at the beginning, the question was, we actually recognized that the ladies' segment was, like, not as um, exciting the, the the people in the region than the other the other part of the brand so I was like okay and of course as a European person you're probably asking yourself is it coming as a cultural fact or is it you know you have I believe that where we we've been the first thing we've done was to look at ourselves in the mirror and asking ourselves why it's not working. And of course, if you remember this, the history of the brand, the brand had been created by dad and it was definitely a man mm-hmm. world because he believed that ladies had jewelry and men didn't have their part of it and blah, blah, blah. But the, the brand had been always working really hard and really deep into uh, ladies. They took their time. 
we took our time, but because we we didn't want lasers to be a plan B mm. or an option. Um, so actually, funny enough, for two years, I've been just doing afternoon tea with all these ladies, trying to tell the story about the brand, trying to explain to them what the brand was able to offer them. And, and where did you find these ladies? It's been, when I look at it, it's been crazy. Funny enough, I met one lady one day, one Sheha, had a conversation with her. And she was like, oh, that's amazing. I mean, I didn't know that the brand was doing so much for ladies. And, you know, my husband always did keep that for himself, which I think that was mm. one of the issues at the beginning. And uh, so she said, oh, you have to tell my friend. So she was inviting me to the palais to meet her friends and discuss about the matters. And it's just like... Word of mouth. So much. Amazing. So much. Your creative and women's collection director is also a woman, right? Indeed. You tell yeah. us about her. So Cécile, Cécile Guenat is actually the daughter of Dominique Guenat, the gentleman with who dad created the brand. And uh, yeah, she joined the, the company a bit before me, I think a few years before me. And now she's taking over the whole uh, um, direction of, uh, of the creative part of the brand. And it's nice to have a lady part of it. We always think that we're not feminists. We just, when we believe on something, we're doing it. It does happen that at this time, you end up being ladies. Mm. But if it was a man, as far as you know how to do uh, you, 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 what you're good at and you're passionate, the, actually the... If you the gender doesn't is not important, uh, but it happened that uh, yes, Cecilia is uh, is part of uh, of the, the amazing new um, products that are coming out now, and she's doing an amazing job, and it's good to have a, a ladies' touch out of it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's quite rare, right, to have a woman as a creative director in a luxury watch company. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, many. watch world anyway yeah. is quite into men. Yeah. yeah. And the partners are effectively ambassadors to, to the brand, yeah, right? Yeah, they are. Right. Yeah. And I, I note that you have some very high-profile men, actually, among your ambassadors. You have, like, King Juan Carlos I of Spain, Rafael Nadal, Jay-Z, Pharrell Williams. And then there was Felipe Massa very early on, and he had rather spectacular but fortuitous accident, correct, True. with his True. watch. What happened? Felipe was actually our first partners. And he was the first one that really believed on the brand. And he had this accident, yeah, true, horrible one. And funny enough, the watch was still working on his Incredible. wrist. But yeah, I, lo I love the fact that we never go, I mean, you know, like Raphael, Nadal, or even Felipe, or Charles Leclerc, all these people, and many other ladies. We have Michelle Yeoh, I mean... You know, all these people, people are like, yeah, of course, you're a luxury brand. You're going for big faces. But if you look at the story, the history that we have with them, we always, actually, we choose the people, not who they mm. are the time being. We love the fact that we grew up together. And that's the beauty of it. If you look at Charles Leclerc, I mean, Charles, we actually were there to, to sponsor him when he was doing karting. Incredible. You see? So, of course, now today everyone says, yeah, Richard Mille and Charles mm. Leclerc, but when no one 
not not no one, but not many people were believing on mm. it. We were there, and it's the same for many other ladies and men that we have in the family, and that's the beauty of it. We love yeah. beautiful story. We love to write new pages on the book. Yeah, and I mean, many of these people are really at the top of their game in incredible sports, golf, tennis, high jump, skiing, yachting, dressage. But Too many. Yeah. <laughs> Big family. Exactly. <laughs> but you also have a presence in Hollywood, in the entertainment world and in the art world. And as you know, Rodeo Drive is closely connected to Hollywood and the arts. And I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the women in the entertainment world. And you mentioned Michelle. How did the partnership with Michelle start very early on? It started very long time ago. I think, you know, Michelle, of course, um, was at the time being already an amazing actress. Um, and she was at the time being the girlfriend as today she's married. And Michelle, I send you all my best wishes for this uh, new part of your life with Jean Todd. And uh, and Jean is a very close friend of my dad. So, of course, we, we end up and dad end up being close for Michelle and knowing her. And I think at one point we were like, oh, you know, she loved the brand. And she's probably one of the first ladies that were able to wear big watches. Mm -hmm. And she was into tourbillon. She was into the technicity behind the watch. Not only, you know, the beauty, beautiful little things with a lot of diamonds. She was already in in the future mm. um so i think the story just started naturally and and we so happy that today we we still all together and we continue the story and of course when she won the oscar we were like so happy for her I mean, she incredible. and it. did it have an impact on your sales or i don't think I, I don't know i couldn't say we didn't really check at it we were just so happy for her you know it's like a family story again you you don't really look at mm. what it's going to bring to yeah. you you're just happy that people that you've been following for long managed to to make people understand who they are and what they deserve happen to them. So that's the most important thing. So. Yeah. And I have to ask you, of course, about Margot Robbie, because we seem to be in a sort of uh, bar <laughs> Barbie madness at the moment. Was there any conversation about doing a Barbie edition of, of, of a watch? No, no. <laughs> I mean, I think definitely not. Um, but I'm so happy for Margot. And she's probably the only actress that I've been able to to do that kind of character she's a risk taker and that's why we love her even though you know she's not part of the family anymore she's been always with us and and we had such a good time and such incredible experience together um that i think not many actors will be able to do what she's been doing for bobby mm. so yeah. well done to her it's great So on to sports. So I know that this year you introduced the first women's sports range um, and it took quite a long time. And in fact, your dad has been quoted as saying that great athletes are like both winning machines and human beings. How does that kind of inform the brand and did that play a part in developing this collection? It did. It did because... As, as you say, it took us quite a long time because, again, the, the idea was definitely to find the right pieces for athletes. Um, and, and that doesn't... I mean, 
of course the physiognomy of a lady and a man is not the same and especially when you you always try to push the limits you need to have the right uh, tool on your side so it took us a lot of time because we didn't want to play around and we wanted to really as always going deeper into the the project um Funny enough, I still remember the first time when I actually joined the company I was working in the Middle East. I was like listening to all these ladies when they started to understand what the brand was going to offer. They were looking for colors. So the colors came, but then the technical is always behind. And having all these amazing athletes, layer female athletes on our side did help us a lot to actually understand they need it and to try to to make as comfortable and 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 technical the watches that we were going to do. And it took us so long. And everything it, took long it take long with us. <laughs> we always love to go we everything needs to be perfect before yeah. you get out. And and to have something comfortable on the wrist. When you have someone like Yulia Livchenko doing a high jumping, you need to be sure that the watch doesn't move on the on their wrist and it's still comfortable and she's happy to wear it. Mm. You don't want, you know, that's the only thing that we ask our partners is I mean, for me, they're not only the image that the world sees it. They're the best tester ever. They are the only one that are able to give us the feedback that even the machine will never mm. tell you. So, you know, you need to work with human beings to get the small details. And because everything that we do is in two details, they are the best one ever. If we take the high jumping, because it's definitely something that it's easy to, to figure out. It's like when you jump and if just the crown or the the strap of the watch is touching the bear it's done Finished. all these years of working for a watch will like distract everything mm. so i'm always so honored to see how these athletes are like trusting us so much to wear this watch and it was the same for rafael of course that when he started to to wear the watch and at the beginning he didn't want to wear a watch so uh, he actually took like a, a beat on the brand to to be able to do it. But it's the same for all of them. Mm. Jessica Van Bredo was doing dressage, mm. horse riding. You know, I mean, when you do dressage, everything is in your hand and your feet, right? If you cannot play properly with your wrist, then you're going you finished, to distract yeah. everything. So it's small details. Very so small. we're working with people that are into details and and they give us the right tools to make the best watches fascinating and some of these sports women have incredible stories i mean nelly corder was 15 when she was playing at the u.s open right it's incredible yeah, so now you have two of her siblings involved yeah like exactly a family, so happy. family and a family yeah, the right? corder family and part how, of how, the family. Yeah, how did that come about that Listen, family I think friends we, we we grew up with with nelly and of course we're super proud of where she she actually getting um and because we're really close from from the family and from the, his agent patricio and patricio know us really well and he was like listen you have to to actually meet the rest of the family you will love them and he wasn't wrong so we were like you know what that would be funny for a family to sign with a family and we're really happy it's Great so story. nice right yeah beautiful so you and your father are passionate about motorsports and aeronautics um, and the brand's been involved in Formula One and Le Mans, and you made it your mission as the head of the Richard Mille racing team to open new opportunities for female racers and really change the status quo in motor racing. 
tell us about that and how that evolved. So yeah, no, it's true. We love motorsport, definitely. Uh, I think it's not a surprise. <laughs> Everyone is aware about it. But um, yeah, I, I mean, when I was in the Middle East, funny enough, we were like doing a special event for ladies only with some shekhas. And, and we had the chance to have as one of the the pilot, the drivers, we had Tatiana Calderon. Um, and, and so I had the chance to drive with her and we had this conversation. And, and I was really understanding what all these ladies that are into motorsports are like, the difficulties and uh, and to to get to the top level mm -hmm. and you actually understand at one point that even though of course they're not men they do have amazing ability mm -hmm. for motorsport and especially for endurance and the only thing they're missing is the opportunity so after looking around and trying to, you know to help Tatiana and other girls we were actually figuring that no one was really looking forward to open the door the right way not only having a beautiful ladies behind the car you know someone that is going to really show the way and and to win well you've certainly shown the way on that hope so On to another type of motor racing. So coming to California for the first time is the 100% female competition, the Rally des Princesses. Yes. So tell us about this fabulous competition that began in Paris and what it is. So the Princess Rally is, uh, it's, uh, I have to say, it's probably one of the best ever. It's a female rally, as you say. I mean, in France, we, we do it only with classic car. That's the, the main point. And it does happen every year. We usually, we always start from Place Vendôme in Paris and we end up in different parts around, uh, around France. This year we, are, we finished in Nice. And uh, we're really happy to see how like people love this project that we are able now uh, to bring it. And, and because also John Simonian have been uh, believing on it, uh, the, the CEO of Richmond America has been believing on this project and is bringing the rally with uh, Peter Roto to California. So, so great. Yeah, that's going to be... I'm really excited. It's going to be really a new step. And you participated in Paris this year, right? Yeah, Did I you, do participate every year. And do you drive or do you co-pilot? <laughs> I do drive. You drive? Yeah, I do drive. So I've I, been lucky enough to do it this year with my daughter and I was really happy. That was the first time that we had the chance to spend that many days together. And I hear that there's a road book, right? That you have to follow very yeah. carefully. How does the road book work? So the road book is, it's, it, it look and it seems easy at first sight. And then when you start to understand, it's very complicated. Very specific, yeah, yeah, you really need to follow up and, and to, I mean, it's not like having a map that you follow is way more difficult because of course they try to, you know, get you into the wrong way. So you need to calculate the speed limit. You need to calculate uh, the, the miles before turning left or right. I mean, it, it's a teamwork. That's the beauty of it. That's what I love about this event. It's, I mean, of course, there is the pilot who is driving, but probably the most difficult part will be the co-pilot because he's the one on the road book. He's the mm -hmm. one being able to make sure that we don't get lost because if you do get lost, you don't have to, you're not allowed to use your phone. Mm. Lind, better tell you. You just have to find your 
your own way. <laughs> but this is not about going fast. It's no, actually it's about not. following the It's a regularity the uh, rally. So the idea is, you know the time you're living in the morning and you know for each step at what time you should arrive. And you, and again, because we, we're driving an open road, you have to follow the rules mm. of the country you're driving in. And also you need to calculate the right speed that you have to go. And you have to remember that you're driving classic cars. So it's not as easy as you'll, your modern car is telling you exactly the speed that you're, you're using. And, and where will the California rally take place and when? So that will be in September, end of September 2024. And that will be in the Napa Valley. In the Napa, yeah. beautiful. What do you wear? Is there a rally look? It is, actually. I think, you know, that's the funny part. And that's what we were discussing with the team the other day. Funny enough, because, of course, there is a lot of rally, especially in Europe, a lot of rally happening. And a lot of them are usually with men, right? Probably because ladies are too busy to mm. do that rally. But uh, but then the the... The, the rally, the princess rally, it's funny to see every year all the, 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 the couple, as we call them, are like trying to, to wear the same clothes and to be comfortable, mm -hmm. but at the same time, always very elegant. So they're always pushing more to, to have the best look ever. So yeah, that's the beauty of that kind of rally. You're going to like, of course, you discover the food of the different places where you go, the scenery that you would probably never see it at the same time time you're into a competition but you want still look elegant and and uh, and feminine and no plans to make an apparel collection to go with the rally <laughs> who knows you never know so far it haven't been planned but you know you never know what could happen that's the beauty again of this brand you know there is no plan and how do people how could you participate like how do people in in california so um it should soon happen to have a website that you would be able to uh, to actually uh, enroll in it and i'm looking forward to meet everyone over there fabulous so i wanted to talk a little bit about the arts there was a rm6801 tourbillon cyril congo which was a watch made with the street artist correct it was the first collaboration and you've also partnered with desert x with the palais de tokyo and also with the louvre in abu dhabi i mean you said earlier that your you know father had said that the you know you're not saving lives but is the involvement in the arts part of a philanthropic commitment or not necessarily of course of course it is you know i think that we're lucky to 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 be where we are today but what's the beauty of having this success if you cannot share it with others yeah. so of course it can be with different charity but art will be the same because we know how difficult it can be for artists to to try to leave of their art before we know that most of the story which are quite sad they actually getting the success when they pass away yeah, of so you need to be there to to give the opportunity to these people to have the freedom uh, and the ability to to live their arts and you know when you succeed on something that's the beauty of it mm -hmm. that's the only luxury of being part of this success is to being able to help others in different way and they inspire you so much again mm. you know And in talking about philanthropy, I mean, Richard Mill also supports the Paris Brain Institute, correct? Yes, indeed. And it's a is there something particular research that you're 
supporting no, no, or just supporting, general? We, uh, it's been, I mean, that is part of the board now of the, the, the ECM. And for us, it's just really important because, again, we will not be able to do everything that we do without our brain working properly. So I think, you know, it's the minimum that we can do to be able to bring this kind of uh, research uh, to the top level. And the only solution for them is to be sure to have money coming every mm-hmm. year to continue the mm-hmm. different research that we have done. So that's why we actually decided to to first we create a special um, donator club with our clients that want to follow up and to help us in into that uh, that research different research and on the other side we also decided to give uh, every year for every watch selling a part of uh, of the price that you're paying for the the ECM research fantastic well, I guess if our brains are not working, there's always artificial intelligence, which is my next subject. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a topic of conversation everywhere right now. So how does AI and machine learning play into the process and the business of watchmaking? For us, I don't know, not much, I would say. Not yet. Lucky enough, our brain is still working. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know for how long. <laughs> That's probably why we're making sure that the ICM is able to actually save us. I mean, I know that people are using AI for like operations, to analyze sales of trends, course. supply and demand. I mean, it's fascinating. And I was just curious if it had started. No, I think for us so far, we're still... You know, playing with the, 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 yeah, we're playing with the toy that we understand that we're able to follow up on. So, Richard Mille watches are among the most expensive watches in the world. I read that the highest price reached at auction was over 6 million Swiss francs for the Skull RM5201 Skull Tourbillon, Vanitas Vanitatum. So, and they're almost impossible to acquire, right? So how does the system of pricing work? You know, I tell you, and it's super easy to understand at the end. If you look at, let's say we were discussing about the 0704, but it could be also, you know, all the different pieces that we do. If you look at the different pieces that take us a minimum, some, for some of them, six years of research and development. And at the end of these six years, only 30 pieces will come out. So, I mean, the calculation is quite easy. Plus all the different, as you as you know, I mean, we always love to use new materials. We want to push. And these materials, before they've been used, we, you need to find the right way of treating them and working with them and all the different tests that we do with it. So, I mean, all that make, like, of course, a certain price for for these pieces and everything's made in switzerland yes madam indeed and and most of it is handmade and and then you have all the tests behind and i mean you know it's just at one point if you that gives us the the possibility and the opportunity to make people always um surprised and and excited by what we're coming out with. Mm. The, this, this, the time that is taking to, to develop, and or even though to think about a piece, or and then to develop and then to test her, and all that does have a cost. And if we want to continue being able to make people dream, 
that's what we need mm. to do. Understand. And so you make around 5,000 watches a year. How do you get to that number? How, did, are they pre-sold? I wouldn't say pre-sold because, uh, but of course, I mean, the demand is so high that for, for sure it's difficult. And I'm sure a lot of the people listening will say, yeah, of course, every time you go to a boutique, there is no watches to see because it's true the demand is really high. Mm. And, uh, and you know, again, when you do the, the, the production, the way that we do it, it takes time and, and it's not like a mass a production that let's say 200 pieces will end up, will arrive on the market and you, for us every piece is unique at the end even mm -hmm. though they're not a unique piece but they they they're so unique by themselves that they take long and you never know when they will arrive and so listen we're lucky enough that people uh, trust us and understand what we're doing um that's it's difficult to 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 be able mm. to find a piece today. And is there any special formula for supply and demand, or <laughs> not really? <laughs> so don't ask me. <laughs> I will be the first. No, I think there is none. I mean, you know, again, we never. That's the beauty of our brand is we don't have any like guides, you know, like for the way that we choose people working with us, for the partners, for the, the different brand that will come, we, the different watch that will arrive in the market. There is no like special guide that we need to follow. Mm. So it's just a feeling. It's just, you know, I mean, we know, and we, we, we're not laughing at the fact that people are frustrated not mm. being able to get their watch. We know how difficult it is, mm. but we know also how difficult these watches are to, made, to mm. be made. Interesting. So you've also got your critics. So, you know, the watches have been called toyish, overcalculated. Somebody described it as like a neon Lamborghini rather than a stealthy spy plane. Do you respond to critics? Do you care? Of course, you always care of what people think. Uh, as far as there is a sense behind. Let's say, of course, you listen, but I, I believe that we... Again, we are straight in our foot and we can look at ourselves in the mirror. We know that we're not playing with people. You cannot please everyone. That's normal. Uh, as far as we please ourselves and we make sure that we never, like, play around, mm. you know. And critics will always help us to grow up. So yeah. there is no issue behind that. Yeah. So the brand has, if I counted correctly, 38 or 39 boutiques in the world right now, yep. including your Rodeo Drive Beverly Hills boutique on to Rodeo Drive, and the family is still involved, and there's not very many private luxury watch companies, and Kering were interested in taking a stake in 2013. Is the company going to stay private? Definitely. Definitely. No, I think, you know... I mean, to be able to do what we do and the way we love to do it, there is no other choice. And we're happy that way. Mm. Great. And so what about the watch market and the crash last year to do with, you know, the gray market, cryptocurrencies? Did that affect the company in terms of your customers? 
I don't think it did. Of course, you have to always be careful because, you know, everything can happen. Again, when you have a small production as we do, is of course, way more... It's not as difficult probably than for the others that are having huge number of pieces to sell. But no, lucky enough, again, we, we've been following the gray market. It's definitely something that you have to have a look mm. at it. Exactly. So the automotive and aeronautics worlds are foundation to your watchmaking. What about space travel and works, work by organizations such as NASA? Is this an area that you're exploring, like, for example, watches for astronauts? <clears throat> But listen, I think, of course, it's always probably in our mind, especially with Farel, because Farel loves space. So it's all, we're always looking at it. But And I think also the different products that we use, it's always close from the new materials that I've been using by the NASA and all that. But But so far, we didn't find the right project with the right people, let's mm. say. Well, with so few watches in the market, I read that your brother doesn't wear one. Yeah. Do you wear? I see you have no, <laughs> no watch, no watch. <laughs> no watches. No, we have to leave them to the clients, right? Good. No, no, it's true. No watch. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Thank Amanda. So It's a pleasure talking to you. Same here. Amanda Mill is Brand and Partnerships Director at Richard Mill. She was named last month in the Financial Times as one of five prominent women in the world who are making the watch industry tick. Rodeo Drive, the podcast, is presented by the Rodeo Drive Committee with the support of the Heyman family, to Rodeo Drive, Beverly Wilshire, a Four Seasons Hotel, and the Beverly Hills Conference and Visitors Bureau. This episode was hosted by Lynn Winter. I'm Kathy Gohari with the Rodeo Drive Committee. Join us on Instagram at Rodeo Drive.